It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. Today's current opinions and ideas. Surveys show that, that people still really prefer freedom versus force. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate each and every one of you uh, today. Live with intention. Strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. And also like to say thank you to the team that I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Tuesday, producer Steve. Well, it's better than Happy Monday. I'll take it. (laughs) You know what? We need to be grateful for each day when we get up, we open our eyes, and we've got work to do. Yeah, I I need to be careful with this (laughs) anti-Monday tirade. Mondays uh, Mondays are interesting, but uh, they roll around just once a week, and so that's a thing to be positive about, Steve. Well, I think part of the problem is my, my weekends are just too packed with good things. You know the blessings of life, and and it's not like Monday has no blessings. Uh, that's not the point I'm trying to make. It's just, uh, you know, the contrast is a little, you know, it's it's very vivid to me. Well, and you do start your days very early to make sure that you keep all these trains on the track, and I greatly appreciate that, producer Steve. And uh, be sure and sign up for our, our weekly uh, newsletter. You can do that at Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. That is our website. And you can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. And working my way through emails, I so appreciate each and every one of you. And to the listener out there, I put it into one of the, do you ever file something and, and think that you put it into one one place on your computer and then you go there and it's not there? And one of you had reached out to me to see if there was a list of different businesses out there that are trying to shut down conservative voices. Uh, For example, Bed Bath & Beyond and uh, Kohl's and Wayfair that said that they're not going to be carrying uh, my pillow because of Mike Lindell's uh, stance on trying to get to the truth on what had happened on the election. And uh, so I don't have a list of all the different businesses that are trying to cancel uh, everyday people and their voices, uh, but re-email me because somehow I put your email in a box and I can't find it on my computer. Does that, does that ever happen to you? Oh my gosh! You should see the the different you know, all the file servers here that we work with daily, and I am notorious for you know putting something, recording something, and, and tucking it away somewhere. And two weeks later, I have no idea <laughs> where that where it's what, at, what folder it's in, and but, but that. What you just talked about, Bed Bath and Beyond and Coles, I might have asked you this before, but you know, and we don't have any time to discuss this. But is that really good business on their part? I think it's really poor business, and uh, so many on the conservative side have been very uh, careful about what they've said over the years regarding, oh, it's impolite company. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about religion, and typically people conservatives and conservative means those that want to conserve the american idea that all men are created equal with these rights from god of life liberty and pursuit of happiness if you want to conserve that we we've typically had the good manners okay we won't talk about politics and religion but you know what happened is the leftists that took over the democrat party they were talking about politics and religion 
And they were down at the state house. They were at the county commissioners. They were uh, running for uh, city councils and mayors, and they were taking over the uh, the narrative. Well, we basically had good manners not to say anything, and now look what we have. Now they say you can't even say anything. And we've got businesses saying that uh, that they're not going to carry products that people want. And uh, no, it's terrible business. Just bear in mind businesses out there. There was almost 80 million people that's, that voted for Donald Trump. There's 80 mil- million people that you can do business with. And uh, so what should happen is new businesses should uh, rise up and, and be created and flourish that will actually not cancel people because of their political beliefs. So when the, again, going back to these companies, when they make these decisions, they go public with it, that's 75 to 8 million people who basically saw an election evaporate before their very eyes could say, okay, Bed Bath & Beyond, Coles, if that's the way you want to play, I just won't spend any money there. Sooner or later, it's got to be at some point in time some it, kind of impact. It should, and I've always loved Bed Bath and Beyond. So it's uh, quite frustrating when the people that are managing these companies. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, Steve, if a company said, "We are not going to serve any uh, fill in the blank," uh, and um, and say somebody on the left, they would go wild on that. So we are in such a unique situation. So anyway, please re-email me because I right now I can't find your email. And I'm working through responding to all of you. I so appreciate hearing from you. And uh, as you all know, I self-fund this show, which means that uh, we do I do everything. And uh, it's great because I have complete freedom in guest selection and subject selection. And to keep our voice free and alive, freedom of speech... I'd appreciate you uh, partnering with me. You can go to my website to contribute, and I thank each and every one of you for that as well. We've got a great show planned for you today. We're going to go through some headlines. Jason McBride, Senior VP with uh, Presidential Wealth Management at the bottom of the hour. This GameStop thing has been absolutely fascinating to watch, Steve. The little guy uh, actually kind of, uh, the big guys are taking it in the shorts, it seems like, and isn't it interesting that politicians on both sides of the aisle are coming to a bipartisan uh, narrative that, oh, my gosh, we need to do something about that? Because the little guys actually uh, kind of stood up the big guys this time. Is that a pun when you say they're taking it in the shorts? <laughs> a little bit. Okay, short sells. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, carry on. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, so we'll talk with Jason at the bottom of the hour. And then Dr. James Ly- Lyons-Wheeler. Weiler, Weiler, right? Uh, He is going to be with us. He's a research scientist, author, and founder and CEO of the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge, also known as IPAC. He has written three books and is the host of the podcast Unbreaking Science. He, along with other scientists at IPAC, perform research in the public interest aimed at finding ways to reduce human suffering. That is a very noble cause. And we'll be talking with him about the China virus vaccine and reigning in the power of health departments. And speaking of health departments, you know, my friends, we look at these issues as freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something is a good idea, you shouldn't have to use force to implement it. And it is never compassionate to take other people's rights, property, freedom, or livelihood via force, whether with a weapon, policy, unpredictable, and excessive taxation, or fear. 
Uh, for our quote of the day, I'd forgotten about W.C. Fields. I'd been looking th- uh, th- for some different quotes, and I found W.C. Fields. Uh, you probably remember him. You you probably uh, saw him when you were a kid, right? No. <laughs> Do you have to go there? <laughs> You know what's coming later this week. You have to go there, don't you? Oh, that's right. Steve has a birthday. Okay. Well, W.C. Fields was born in 1880. He died in 1946. He was an actor and comedian whose flawless timing and humorous cantankerousness made him one of America's greatest comedians. His real life and screen personalities were often uh, very much the same, and he's remembered for his distinctive nasal voice, his antisocial character, and his fondness for alcohol. And uh, he said a couple of things. First of all, I had, I had two quotes just because there's a lot of funny stuff that he says. But he says, you can fool some of the people some of the time, and that's enough to make a decent living. And I was actually thinking about those politicians. Uh, they seem to be fooling uh, quite a number of people right now. Decent living, yeah. yeah decent <clears throat> living. Uh, actually, they're making more than a decent living. As you, as, I'll just run over here to this uh, headline from... That Patty found that uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband ran ahead in the market and bought some Tesla stock right before uh, there was legislation, or let me, what was it exactly, that was passed that was beneficial to Tesla, and of course the stock price went up. Uh, can you believe that? And actually, uh, I think that, I think that the congressmen and senators actually can do insider trading. Uh, because we saw that, uh, actually, I think Kelly Loeffler, who was running for Senate down in Georgia, I think that she ran ahead on something during the COVID-19, right before that whole thing broke. And it's not illegal. It should be illegal, but it is highly immoral. But the fact that Nancy Pelosi's husband did it and not her, I think may make that illegal. I'm not sure. I'm not a legal scholar, but I'm just surmising, Steve. Well, this particular topic, uh, my first exposure to it, I guess, uh, at that level was Hillary Clinton when she was the first lady. Did she get caught up in some kind of, you know, she bought an incredible amount of cattle stock? That I think that was when they were, um, I think that when that was when he was governor, Ah, I well, think. Well, still. Yeah. I mean, here's more wrongdoing that was never called, and, it, you know, it, the slope just gets steeper and steeper. Yeah, here we go. I found this. This is from Just the News. It says, uh, ethics watchdogs say the timing of large purchases of Tesla stock by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, raises ethics concerns due to an appearance of insider trading. Paul Pelosi reportedly purchased up to $1 million in stock from electric car Tesla, electric car giant Tesla last month. President Joe Biden, meanwhile, announced this week that his administration intends to take the entire federal fleet of automobiles electric. The move by Pelosi was corrupt and unacceptable, Takeback.org Executive Director John Pudner claimed in an interview with the Washington Times this week. Even if the actual charges are not provable beyond a reasonable doubt or trigger SEC action, the timing of the trades with potential insider information always looks bad, a formal federal prosecutor told a publication. A spokesman for the speaker said that her husband, not the speaker, made the Tesla bets and the speaker's political relationships were irrelevant. That I think that's really, really stinky, Steve. But um, on that, I had one more uh, W.C. Fields quote that I thought was, was very interesting. He says, 
I don't have to attend every argument that I'm invited to. I used to think that I had to, but I don't think I do anymore, Steve. Well, maybe that, you know, thinking that through, uh, one of the uh, negatives of social media is that it's made <laughs> tyrants out of us all, is that every everything that's thrown out there, people will attempt to win the argument. Yeah, this is very appropriate, and that was obviously pre-technology, uh, pre-Facebook, uh, but as uh, W.C. Fields said, my friends, you don't have to attend every argument that you are invited to. And as we look at these issues, we need to look at them as what, ask these questions, what, why, when, how, where, and who. And that will uh, get you a long ways uh, down the road to becoming a very wise person. And before we go to break, Hooters Restaurants is uh, one of my great partners and one of the reasons that we're on the air. And they have five locations. They have Lone Tree, Westminster, Aurora, Loveland, Colorado Springs, and did I say Aurora? And uh, anyway, they have all kinds of specials. Wednesdays are Wings Day. You can buy 20 wings and get 10 for free. It's available on to-go or dine-in. They have lunch specials, uh, kids eat free specials, and happy hour. It's a great place to meet with friends. And be sure and go to HootersColorado.com for more information. That's HootersColorado.com. We will be right back with more headlines. Karen Levine has over 30 years in the real estate industry. The reaction to the COVID-19 Wuhan virus is presenting unprecedented and unpredictable opportunities and challenges in buying or selling your home. That is why you need to work with award-winning realtor Karen Levine. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Karen's expertise will help guide you through this crazy real estate market. Call Karen Levine at 303-877-7516 today. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can contribute and help uh, help us as we continue to protect freedom of sp uh, speech, that's easy for me to say, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, freedom of thought, all those things that are so inherent to the American idea. And uh, let's see, let's talk a little bit about Joe Biden. My gosh, he's had an active pen. Joe who? Joe Biden. And oh. uh, he, uh, this is from Reason.com, he tells federal bureaucrats, to approve regulations with benefits that are impossible to quantify. And he's moved swiftly to rev up the regulatory state by weakening oversight and effectively ending a reality-based assessment of the costs and benefits of federal regula regulation. It may have gone largely unnoticed amid a flurry of executive orders that Biden has signed since taking office, but a January 20 memo from the White House to the heads of executive departments and agencies outlines a regulatory framework that will empower federal bureaucrats to count unquantifiable benefits when weighing the potential impact of new regulations. This uh, regulatory administrative state that had grown and grown and grown uh, uh, up until we got into the Obama administration, it is stifling businesses. 
And basically, it allows bureaucrats to pick winners and losers because there's no way that businesses can adhere adhere to these pages and pages and pages of regulations. Uh, And it actually puts fear into the creators and innovators because they're not sure if there's a regulation out there that they don't know about, that they will be not in compliance with. And Donald Trump realized that we needed to reduce the regulatory state to really get this economy going. And remember, Steve, what Obama had to say uh, during the election before Donald Trump was elected about how's he going to have these jobs. Do you have that soundbite? And when somebody says that he's going to bring all these jobs back, well, how exactly are you going to do that? What are you going to do? There's no answer to it. He just says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, how, what, how exactly are you going to negotiate that? What magic wand do you have? And usually the answer is he doesn't have an answer. And so what we have to do. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> because it's so multifaceted. It is multifaceted. And uh, as we're going through Trump's accomplishments, and I know many of you uh, have asked for that, and um, just email me. I, I can give you a link to that right now. We're debating on whether or not uh, to take the time and energy to get it onto the website. And uh, what happened here was uh, there was massive deregulation. And what Trump did is instead of, uh, he said that we, for every new regulation, they needed to get rid of two. But instead, they got rid of eight. And this provided the average American household an extra $3,100 every year. It reduced the direct cost of regulatory compliance by $50 billion, and it reduced the cost by an additional $50 billion in 2020 alone. They removed nearly 25,000 pages from the Federal Register, more than any other president. The previous administration, Obama, had added over 16,000 pages. And so what happened with that is America gained 7 million new jobs. The middle-class family income increased $6,000. The unemployment rate reached 3.5%, the lowest in half a century. Achieved 40 months in a row with more job openings than job hirings. And more Americans reported being employed than ever before, nearly 160 million. And jobless claims hit a nearly 50-year low. But you can see with a flurry of a pen that what what is going on here is Joe Biden wants to bring bring back. He wants to, he says, build back better. better. Uh, not so much. He What he wants to do is he's uh, increasing all these regulations and it will not create jobs. As we talked about it yesterday with with getting rid of all these jobs in the energy sector and they talk about jobs that uh, people can get in the solar and uh, wind industry that in fact those jobs, those manufacturing jobs are primarily all in China. And so they say one thing but they do, do another thing, Steve. Or if those jobs are here, what do they pay the same as what the pipeline you know, construction was going to pay? Uh, probably not. Yeah. But you're not supposed to think about that kind of stuff. Right. Yesterday when we were talking with uh, Bob Woodson, he said something so interesting. And that was back when Lyndon Johnson and the Great Society separated income from work. And that is not sustainable. At some point in time, somebody has to work somewhere. Somebody has to create something somewhere. 
so that the socialists and the communists have something that they can take from them to give to somebody else. And at some point in time, uh, you stifle so much creativity and innovation that, um, well, a couple of things happen is, first of all, you don't have a free and fair economy because uh, the regulations and the taxes and everything gets so onerous that a lot of things go to um, more of a, a, a kind of an underground market because things get so expensive. That's what you've seen in uh, socialist and communist countries. And um, so I don't know quite where this is all going to end, Steve, but I was thinking on the way in, what is it that we can do? Because we didn't get here overnight, and it's been a um, nonpartisan, in some ways, way to get here. You've seen, again, when we talked to Jason about GameStop, you are seeing politicians on both sides of the aisle that say they need to do something about what has happened to these hedge funds. And... It's like, where is this all going to end? And I think that the important thing that we need to realize, my friends, is that the veil is now off. To use the, the title from Unmasked 2020, things have been unmasked. And we actually have seen politicians on both sides of the aisle that are not there as representatives of we the people, but are there to enrich themselves. And the veil is off. The, they, there's, we can see with the, the regulations that they're trying to put in place, opening up the border. They don't really, they're trying to uh, really make your vote um, not really count anymore. And we also saw that through the election fraud that was occurring. And so what's to be grateful for in all this, Steve, is the fact that the veil is off. We see we have work to do on um, election integrity. We see that we have a lot of work to do on candidate selection, and we can no longer, one of uh, our listeners said, we can no longer sit around uh, and not do anything, and uh, they are, I think, ready to get active and take part in really preserving this American idea, conserving this American idea, and we've got a lot of work to do, Steve. Call me a pessimist, I guess. Uh, we have work to do, just to, to quote you. Uh, election integrity. Do we have the guts to do it? One side said nothing happened, and they'll continue to make that stand. Nothing happened. We kept asking you to prove it, and, and you didn't. Well, nobody wanted to. So do we have the uh, intestinal fortitude to do it, or are we already kind of, well, this is, our, this is our, our future, our destiny? Well, I think the fact that almost 80 million people uh, went to the ballot box. To- I hear you. I hear you. But they, these guys have done their homework. They're finding more and more ways to mute and suppress that. 80 million, we don't care. It never happened. And, uh, you know, I, I really get down over it. I know that you do. Uh, but I think that that is one of the reasons why we have to think about our history. Because we have a long, rich history of everyday Americans stepping up to preserve this American idea and stand against tyranny. And I know that it seems a a bit monumental right now uh, with what is happening in Washington and then what's happening with these health departments. I can't wait to talk with uh, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler about uh, trying to rein in these health departments. 
But I think the thing to really be grateful about, Steve, is the fact that the veil is off. It is unmasked. We know what we're, we're up against now, and we need to bring truth and clarity to these issues. And um, it is monumental right now. I, I don't, I don't um, disagree with you, but I also know that we are Americans, and we have something that is very important, worth preserving, and it is our heritage to stand against tyranny, to stand for liberty, and pass something good on to the next generation. Now, Jason McBride, he is a senior, senior VP uh, with Presidential Wealth Management. Uh, happy Tuesday, Jason McBride. Back at you, Kim. It has been fascinating to watch what has been happening with this whole GameStop thing. And now politicians on both sides of the aisle say that they need to do something, which could really affect the financial markets from what I've seen on headlines. What's your thoughts on that, Jason? Well, I, I don't really see what they need to do about it. Uh, these hedge funds uh, took the risk of taking a big short position, and now they've got their heads handed to them in some cases. Uh, the stock, uh, you know, it got up almost as high as 500 Yesterday, it closed at 225. This morning in the pre-market, Kim, it's showing 129. And I'm seeing a couple of the others that are in this big short squeeze that are also way down today. So I don't know if the, the play is finishing up or unwinding. But as far as I could see, nothing untoward happened. Nothing really illegal happened. Uh, it's just that uh, a group of people that have probably more buying power uh, then the the big hedge funds, uh, you know, uh, drove the price up and handed them their rear ends in their hands. So, uh, again, I don't think the government needs to come in and save the hedge funds. And I also will say I don't think the government or anybody else needs to come in and, and save the people that read something on a message board bought the stock at $450 a share without knowing anything, and now they've lost 75% of their money. They took that risk on as well. Well, definitely. And what I'm understanding, Jason, is, and correct me on this, is that, uh, that uh, so uh, these hedge funds sold this stock, GameStop, short. So they, they sell it, and then they hope the stock goes down so that they can buy it at a lower price, right. and they make money on that spread. But in essence, they shorted more stock than GameStop, GameStop had out there. So that's going to be a problem. Uh, and, uh, and I guess what a, a number of these people on uh, social media uh, realized that that occurred, and, and so they came together and they uh, started to buy the stock, moving the price up. And at that point in time, the hedge funds knew that they there was not enough stock there to cover, so they started to buy as well, and that's what really pushed the price up. Am I getting that correct? Oh, yeah, you're, you're correct, Kim, and, and it is an issue uh, when more shares have been shorted than even exist because uh, legally when you sell a stock short, you're supposed to have to borrow the shares from someone that actually owns it. So the, the fact that, that somehow they... Uh, were able to short like 140% or I think that was the number of the number of shares outstanding. Something stinks there, uh, but that's a problem that's been going on uh, for quite a while with these short sellers being able to kind of get away 
with murder, uh, uh-huh. to be quite frank with you, Kim. Uh, you know, these guys come out, they, they sell tons of shares of a, of a stock, uh, then they go and, and, and trash the company on the Internet or in other ways to try to drive them out of business, and it doesn't matter if it's true or not. They make money, no consequences, but it's funny, on the other side, if someone buys a whole bunch of shares and then touts the stock to try to drive the price higher, they always seem to, to come after those people and, and make them accountable, but the short sellers, uh, they've been getting away with all kinds of uh, uh, garbage for as long as I can remember with very little consequence to them. Oh, my gosh. This is so fascinating to watch. Uh, Jason McBride, you have a wealth of knowledge. You've been in the business for a long time. You've seen these ups and downs and realizing that uh, for people's economic, their own economic uh, well-being, a good plan is the place to be. And you're the person to talk to about that, Jason. Well, uh, it's, it's better to have a plan than to not have a plan. And hopefully, uh, you know, little dramas like this that are happening in the market, if they're part of your plan, hopefully they're, they're a small part. That's for sure. And where, how can people reach you, Jason? Uh, that's pretty easy. Give us a call, 303-694-1600. That's 303-694-1600. Jason McBride, we will talk to you tomorrow. All right, Kim. And we'll be right back with Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. Recently, rates in the mortgage market have hit near record lows. Lorne Levy with Polygon Financial notes that the COVID-19 Wuhan virus disruption has created potential opportunities to refinance your mortgage that could save you thousands of dollars. And for those senior listeners who may be looking for another source of income, exploring a reverse mortgage with Lorne Levy may be a solution. With over 17 years in the mortgage industry, Lorne Levy has the experience to answer your questions. Call Lorne Levy at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881 for a mortgage checkup today. Now more than ever, it is important to have independent voices bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing us, our families, our communities, our state, our nation, and our world. The Kim Munson Show is one of those important voices. Kim is a truly independent entrepreneur. She purchases her broadcast time, which gives her total freedom in production of the show and scheduling of guests. If you'd like to support The Kim Munson Show, go to her website, kimmunson.com, and click on the Contribute button under Kim's picture. Kim greatly appreciates your help and support. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And uh, you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And uh, we appreciate your help and support in keeping uh, the freedom of speech and freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, freedom of thought alive. You can contribute at the website to do that. On the line with me is Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. He's a research scientist, author, and founder and CEO of the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge, also known as IPAC. He has written three books and is the host of the podcast Unbreaking Science. And he, along with other scientists at IPAC, perform research in the public interest aimed at finding ways to reduce uh, human suffering. We had him on um, a few weeks ago and thought, oh my gosh, we need to get him back on. Uh, Dr. Weiler, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you very much. How are you today, Kim? I'm well, and we had such an important conversation the last time that you were on that I wanted to get you scheduled again. 
Uh, you have been busy. I, I was uh, looking. You have just really been out there. And so I want to ask you a couple of things. First of all, the vaccine is on everybody's minds. And you are a research scientist. And this is a, a new kind of vaccine. It's an mRNA, which means it has a messenger that goes into cells and can actually change them a little bit, from my understanding. And I'm a bit concerned about that, James. Well, your concern is understandable. Um, It's a new technology. Uh, The the studies that have been conducted to try to um, study and report on the safety are just the initial studies. The reality is that there's two years of these clinical trials are running out for two years. We're still in the beginning phases of the study. Uh, The technology itself, just to dispel some myths and understandings, the technology itself is not expected, contrary to what a lot of people have heard, not expected to change the human genome sequence. Uh, The way that the vaccine works, uh, the RNA isolated from a spike protein that that encodes a spike protein uh, is encapsulated in what's called a lipid membrane and it's injected, and then those lipid membranes fuse with our own lipid membrane in, in our cells. The RNA is then released, and the RNA is uh, put to work, uh, puts the cellular machinery to work to make new spike proteins, just like a virus. So from that perspective, you know, we've seen viruses for, for hundreds of millions of years, billions of years probably, uh, during the course of evolution. But nevertheless, there are some real concerns. The, the lipid itself uh, may contain polyethylene glycol, polyethylene glycol being a component of antifreeze. Uh, there are people that are sensitive to polyethylene glycols. Depends on their size. Uh, the RNA itself is a stabilized form of, encodes a stabilized form of the spike protein. So if the spike protein is being produced by our body, it, it will elicit an immune response because it's foreign to our body. But the original animal studies that were conducted on vaccines that, uh, you know, vaccines against coronaviruses related to this one, including SARS, including MERS, including the uh, respiratory syncytial virus, the RSV, uh, those early trials were disastrous because the, the vaccines actually primed people to have more serious disease once they were exposed to the to the wild virus. That's in the case of the RSV, in the case of the MERS, the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome virus, and the SARS virus, uh, they found that effect in animals. And so initially we heard that Moderna and other vaccine manufacturers were going to skip animal trials. They didn't do the ferret studies they should have done they, or the rat studies they should have done. Instead, they opted to do uh, rhesus macaque monkeys trials. These are non-human primates. Um, and in those trials, they only looked at the lung. They, they looked at w- when, when you vaccinate the animals, you're supposed to look at the spleen and the liver, the brain, all of these other organ sites that specifically had problems with the other coronavirus vaccines. And the two studies from Pfizer and Moderna that I've read closely, they only reported there was no problem with the lung. They didn't report anything about hepatitis or anything like that that we saw in the animal studies for the other vaccines. Um, and then they also failed to report a specific biomarker. We know from the animal studies that it's 
pretty technical term for this early in the morning, but it's an interleukin. Uh, an interleukin is a, a cross-cell signaling molecule. Interleukin-5 in particular, they should have reported. Now, they measured and reported other interleukins and cytokines, but I, I looked at the studies. I couldn't find interleukin-5, which is a marker for disease enhancement. So if these, if these vaccines are effective for the majority of the population and confer some immunity, um, the trade-off is what is the risk? The risk is unknown, so it's difficult for people to decide. I think that's, just, that's the source of the vaccine resistance or vaccine hesitancy. Uh, people want more information, and they should, and you should have more information. Unfortunately, we're finding out, you know, Oxford didn't inform the people on their vaccine trial that there was a dosage difference. Uh, you know, they, they kept it, they kept the people in the vaccine trial uh, in, in the dark. Now, this is that, that vaccine is not here in the United States, but it seems to me that the whole idea of bringing the vaccine to market as fast as possible also comes at a cost to science. And we see people who are receiving the vaccine. The, the news headlines are reporting a lot of healthcare workers die with you know a lot of reports. I shouldn't say this. A lot of a lot of reports have said that there are healthcare workers who have died. Uh, two and a half hours after receiving the vaccine, if they already had coronavirus infection. However, the news reports reliably and religiously state that the cause of death is not determined for these people, and there's no other cause of death in healthcare, healthcare workers where it takes two months to determine the cause of death. All of these healthcare workers that have died, they they died after the vaccine. The causality is really super established by the temporal relation of the exposure to the vaccine and how quickly it happened. And yet they're still saying that these deaths were not due to the vaccine or were, it's not known if they're due to the vaccine. And when I hear that, I hear it's like somebody telling me that, you know, the sun uh, goes around the earth. It's really that bad. It's really that egregious with what they're doing to science. And uh, that's why I'm so busy. Uh, we, we need a fair and balanced, accurate reporting on adverse events and vaccines. And the paradigm is to reduce the public's awareness of vaccine risk as much as possible so that people take up more vaccines. It's crazy. Why do you think that there is such a push for people to get the vaccine by um, by politicians and bureaucrats? Uh, first of all, we've, we're coming in on a just about a year, uh, James, on uh, the coronavirus and the reaction that's disruption. I mean, my gosh, I see all these businesses that are struggling and closing and it just breaks yeah. my heart. And I, we, I know that COVID is real, but as we yep. have gone through this, this whole year, we've seen instances where there's been inflated numbers of COVID deaths. And then those numbers are trumpeted out there to just scare the living daylights out of people and um, we know that it's real. We also know that there were treatments that were really discounted by, again, the mainstream media and, and uh, the narrative out there. But now, now that Biden is in, in uh, office, we're seeing blue state governors and blue city mayors opening up their economies finally. I'm even hearing that they are now saying that hydroxychloroquine is now an effective treatment, but yet when President Trump was talking about it, uh, they they really um, discounted that as well. What's your thoughts on that, uh, Dr. Weiler? Well, my thoughts on that are that I think that anyone who's politicized public health and made a commodity out of knowledge 
with respect to public health uh, is is uh, you know shame on them, terrible shame on them. Specifically, we we know that you know I'm I'm a 1980s style New York style Democrat. I've since left left the party. I can't do it anymore. New York Mario Cuomo was my kind of guy, not Andrew Cuomo. Uh, you know, uh, here's the deal. Uh, Democratic Party has never seen so much easy money so fast. They're like the nouveau riche, right? So they are answering to the, the big money donations from pharmaceutical companies. There's no doubt about it. We saw this over the past four years where they tried to strip the rights of American citizens to say no to the vaccine based on religious grounds, say no any vaccine, to say no to the vaccine for the children on the basis of medical exemptions that the doctors won't recognize. You know, this politicization of public health is related to the commoditization of our health by big medicine. And, and it, both of these things have to change. It's unsustainable. Our society cannot afford, as we, well, as we have well seen, you mentioned the lockdowns, hundreds of thousands of businesses are closed permanently. People are out of jobs. People can't feed their children. All, all at the expense of scientific knowledge that keeps people in the dark, specifically on ivermectin, there's five randomized controlled clinical trials showing that ivermectin reduces mortality by 75 to 88%, Kim. Uh, that's all buried and being suppressed. In the meantime, people, number one, are dying. Number two, people are, are rushing to get the vaccine and want to get the vaccine. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we can't keep doing this whatsoever. The other thing that's that's wrong about what's done is, is in the PCR testing, and there's currently a number of battles going on that I'm involved in. One is a petition to the FDA to knock it off, basically, on, on using PCR testing. It's not the gold standard for nucleic acid testing. And what we're seeing, you mentioned the blue states. One by one, these states are dialing back the cycle threshold uh, on their tests. They ramped it all the way up where everybody that's tested basically has a higher risk of getting be, being a false positive. Um, and now they're dialing it back, which is going to reduce the number of cases. And the concern there, of course, is that they're going to attribute those, that reduction uh, in the number of cases to um, the vaccine, and they're going to claim credit for it. So there is a, a, a systemic bias uh, that's aligned with political party affiliation that has to stop. We, we literally cannot continue to afford, afford this. I have a, a plan called Plan B to basically replace the CDC with research institutions scattered all across the United States, any one of which would be shut down if they have any affiliation with pharma, any one of which would be shut down if they have financial conflicts of interest. You can look it up on Twitter at LifeBiomedGuru, LifeBiomedGuru, uh, and look up Plan B. It's a peer-reviewed plan. We really do have to back away from this you know, regulatory capture situation where the FDA is captured, the EPA is captured, the CDC is captured. This is no way to run a government. This is no way to regulate business. I'm not for regulation of businesses, but I'm certainly not for the fact that the businesses get into government and then run our, run our health care into the ground and run our health into the ground and hurt us. Uh, James, I have uh, fig finally figured out that big business and big government, they really like each other. And uh, and we do need to dial that back. Let's go to break. I'm talking with Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. Uh, we're talking about the virus uh, or the vaccine for the virus, as well as I want to talk about these health departments, uh, because through all this, we what's been amassed is the 
tremendous power that these health departments have had over our lives. Before we do that, though, Castlegate Knife and Tool is another one of my great partners. They are located in Sedalia, Colorado, family-owned business. Be sure and take a trip down there one of these weekends. Uh, They are in the old bank building, and they have such a wide array of products there. Whether or not you are a a sportsman or a collector or a chef, Castlegate Knife and Tool is the place for you. Their website is castlegate.com. That's castlegate.com. We will be right back with Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. Predovich and Company understands that the COVID-19 Wuhan virus disruption has individuals and businesses scratching their heads with a variety of bookkeeping, tax planning, and accounting questions. Predovich and Company knows that you need trusted professionals to help you navigate these choppy waters. Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich and Company. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call Predovich and Company at 303-791-3000 to organize your personal and business finances. Call 303-791-3000 today. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter and uh, you can email me there as well. I'm, I have on the line with me Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, and uh, he is a research scientist, author, founder, and CEO of the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge. And he, along with other scientists, uh, perform research in the public interest aimed at finding ways to reduce human suffering. And I want to talk with you about this Plan B regarding the CDC, but I was just during the break, James, looking at the headlines And uh, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that Russia's Sputnik 5 COVID vaccine was 91.6% effective in trials. I find that very hard to believe because we know uh, the flu vaccine is typically maybe 50% effective. I find it very hard to believe that they're saying that these uh, these COVID vaccines are 91, 92% effective. Uh, That's just my my thoughts on it, but you're the, you're the research scientist. What's your thoughts? Well, there's a couple of reasons why the flu vaccine is anywhere from 8 to 50% effective or 0 to 50% effective every year. The first thing we have to look at is the way that CDC classifies influenza. From prior to 2014, uh, if you had the influenza virus and you tested positive for it and you had respiratory illness, that looked like influenza, you were given the diagnosis of influenza. That changed in 2014 and it was until 2019 uh, when the uh, CDC started to lump together uh, any type of respiratory illness, whether it was from bacterial pneumonia, RSV, uh, influenza, or anything that wasn't diagnosable as influenza was given this new name, influenza disease. The FDA and the CDC have both used influenza disease, or influenza for short, or pneumonia and influenza, P and I. So when they change that into a bucket categorization, then only about 11% of those cases are actually influenza. So it's no wonder if you're vaccinating against influenza that you're going to see a tiny percentage of efficacy uh, in, in, in some years. And so, you know, it's never gone above 60%. Um, 
in in, re, in recent years. So um, now that they have coronavirus, oh by the way, that that that, that influenza disease included coronavirus, just not COVID nineteen. That's a that's a novel virus. So well, now that coronavirus is taking the lion's share of the mortality and and the serious illness, they've now changed it. So everything that you know, everyone should know that influenza disease is gone. There's no cases of reported influenza, and they're not testing for influenza anymore uh, at all. And in this this flu season, the rationale for it is totally circular. They're saying, well, there's no influenza this year, so we're not testing for it. Now, the coronavirus disease numbers that are reported now include coronavirus and anything that looks like coronavirus. If you have one test initially, now you need two tests. But even you could get a coronavirus disease um, uh, diagnosis, and it will be reported to the CDC even without a test. Uh, it's just it's called a suspected, and the ones with PCR are called confirmed. But PCR is not the gold standard. PCR has a false positive rate, and the empirical estimates, the published peer-reviewed estimates, so the false positive rate uh, for this PCR test for coronavirus disease for COVID-19 range from. Uh, 11% from in an Australia study to up to 50% false positives. So yes, the numbers are grossly amplified and they've scared everyone to the point where now everybody thinks we can't open society again. And I'm gonna tell you right now, Kim, that's terrorism. It is terrorism to terrify the population with, with false numbers into changing, into not going to work, into not visiting grandma, into putting their parents into a nursing home or not putting their parents in a nursing home they're literally terrorizing the, the public in the United States. The other thing is, you mentioned efficacy of the Sputnik. I want to tell you about the efficacy of Moderna. I have a paper that's, paper that's published. It's not peer-reviewed. I have to say that so you guys know I'm, I'm objective and unbiased, but it's on the Defender. This is Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s online magazine. Moderna published 94.5% efficacy. But in their trial, they removed anybody who got coronavirus, who was given the coronavirus diagnosis after the first dose. If you reanalyze the data, including those people who got coronavirus diagnosis during the trial after the first dose, they were never given the second dose in the trial. But after the first dose, if you remove those people, the efficacy is 75%. So that you're, it's correct to be skeptical. Now, if the efficacy of that vaccine is 75% on a super, super healthy, these people are like Marvel comic book heroes, the people in the trials. They have no autoimmunity. They have no other prior sickness at all. They don't have diabetes. They're young. <laughs> they didn't study this vaccine on the elderly, and yet they rolled it out on the elderly. You know, it's just unseemly. It's it's unethical what they've done. And ivermectin is huge. I, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, to, to hide the data on that is criminal, and I don't think we should put up with it. I really don't. Okay, Dr. Weiler, we're going to run out of time again because so we're going to have to get you on again to talk about uh, the health departments because uh, I I was always a fan of uh, the baseball great Hank Aaron and he passed on just recently and uh, he actually had to taken the vaccine early in January and he passed on here within the last week or so I think. And my gosh, the narrative out there was very quick to say that it was not because of the vaccine. But I feel, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about that. that. And then the Epic Times had reported that uh, over 50 people had died after receiving the vaccine. And so I, I've got to think that, that there's a lot more of that going on. Your comments on that, James? 
My comments are that the, the Departments of Public Health specifically follow the instructions of the CDC, and CDC was just caught red-handed red by Cheryl Atkinson and a, and a Republican uh, 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 representative, Massey, who vid, uh, audiotaped the CDC admitting that, yes, people who have had coronavirus infection should not get the vaccine. Then some time went by, Massey called them back and said, why haven't you updated your website? Why don't the doctors know this? The doctors are still recommending this. You can look it up at, at uh, full measure with Cheryl Atkinson. She's a truly objective uh, um, journalist. Uh, look up Cheryl Atkinson. She's a, 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 a award-winning journalist. Regularly, she's so yes, yeah. she's great. Yeah, so, so we're in a situation we we figured out, the public has figured out that they're being lied to. What I want to do with IPAC, the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge, is conduct research in the public interest, and that's what we are doing, that leads to reduction of human pain and suffering. I have no profit motive whatsoever. If people want to check out the website, it's ipaknowledge.org, ipaknowledge.org. We're not funded by pharma. We're not funded by corporations. We're not funded by foundations. We're funded by the public. And so if you want objective science to survive this, stop over by IPAC. And uh, good luck, everybody. I, I, I think this is uh, something we all have to pull together on. Well, definitely. And did, uh, we have just two minutes. Do you think that this whole vaccine push, and as you mentioned, terrifying people, I hadn't really thought about that being as terrorism, but terror, terrifying and terror, those are very closely related uh, do you think it's all about money? It's about money, and it's also about the degree of social control. Um, you know, in, in Oregon, in the, Paul, Dr. Paul Thomas's license was revoked by the Board of uh, Medicine five days after we published our vaccinated versus unvaccinated study, where, among other things, we found no ADHD in the, in the unvaccinated. Zero ADHD cases in the unvaccinated, Kim. And, and, and it's a large study, and, and we found chronic health after issue after issue in the vaccinated kids that is far overrepresented. There's the, the vaccinated kids have, have to go to the doctor for healthcare related to asthma, allergy, allergic rhinitis, anemia, you know, autoimmune disorders, much more than the unvaccinated. So we published this at the request of the of the medical board. They wanted the data, so we decided to put it to peer review. To timestamp it, and they pulled his license. They suspended his license without a trial, uh, without a hearing. Um, now, here's the thing. Paul was following the law of the state of, of Oregon, which allows choice. He was allowing informed consent. So who rules in Oregon? Do we, it's like, a, do we have a, a shadow government in these medical boards? Do they, are, 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 do they have more power than the state legislature in Oregon? Who actually? It's like a it's like a shadow government in the United States at the state level with these medical boards. If they overrule the state legislation and start penalizing doctors for following state law, Paul, Dr. Paul Thomas had to provide informed consent, or it would have been illegal for him to. Wow. He would have been breaking state law. So he followed the state law, and now he's being penalized. It's like Sharia law. It's, it's, okay. it's, it's like a, a religious law taking over the United States. And yet, well, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, we are going to get you uh, scheduled again for next month. This is fascinating information. I so appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you, Kim. I'll be back another time, I hope. Okay, sounds great. We'll get you scheduled. And W.C. Fields is our quote for today. He said, attitude is more important than the past. 
than education, than money, than circumstances, than what people do or say. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. So my friends today, be grateful. Read great books. Think good thoughts. Listen to beautiful music. Communicate and listen well. Live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideals and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.